Peter Ellis. Mm -hmm. Peter Ellis, bookseller, welcome to this microphone. Thank you. I was mentioning that I just run into this book dealer at a bookstore as I was browsing the shelves. Yeah. And then I went off to my next store, and then lo and behold, there he was as well. So we, we've just had a, a really interesting chat named Tony Rowe. And in fact, you know him. Yeah. You used to have a bookstore close to where his was. That's right. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, in Museum Street, in Bloomsbury, opposite the British Museum. Now, one of the things that Tony was saying one of the reasons for his success, he said, was, was that he has developed a niche in art books, but also all the ephemera around various artists. He was saying that as a result, he's able to go and find a lot of stuff in this field it's, that really is, is not that expensive, perhaps because it, there isn't a huge demand for it. And yet, uh, once he's sort of discovered it and put it up on, on his site, he has a loyal clientele that are willing to pay. Well, I think the things he's talking about, probably the more ephemeral exhibition catalogues and things like that, you know, where it might only be 10 pages, but it was some exhibition that happened 30 years ago before the artist was well known. Yeah, and, he, he you cites know, an example yeah. of Francis Bacon. Well, yeah, yeah. And he picked something up for £10 so and sold it for 3000 3, Good Lord, that yeah. is that is no, going. It's exaggerated. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, he had no reason to. No, no. But that's the sort of thing. I mean, you know, uh, find another one. That's that's the yeah. that's the question there. And um, but he talked uh, about his, his the joy that he has, uh, and I think it's the joy of every collector, is uh, waking up in the morning and he does his rounds to existing booksellers oh, in, yeah. in London uh, twice a week, and mm. invariably he comes up with little treasure. The excitement is knowing that he's going to find something, but not knowing exactly what it would be. Is that something that is Yeah, yeah to the you? pleasure of the hunt, yeah. And yeah, we, we are, I mean, we are basically hunter-gatherers, aren't we? And that's, I think that's we're sort of quite an atavistic instinct that we're all pandering to. Well, that's why yeah. eBay's so successful. I mean, the, the, there's so many collector categories on eBay. Yeah, but eBay sort of gives it you on a plate. You don't have to go out into the undergrowth and wrestle with the... You, you do it electronically, which yeah. is... There's, you're right, it's nowhere yeah. near as much yeah. fun as physically finding, but yeah. on the other hand, it, it, there is a joy, the same yeah. sort of joy. Yeah. And he yeah. talked about the fact that the reason he's able to do this, of course, is the knowledge that he has, the depth of knowledge that... Well, that's always been the advantage of specialising, which is what Tony does. He, he just sells art books and art-related books. Yeah. And um, you, uh, you are first well, Modern First Editions, which is close to my heart, and many, many others. Well, yeah, I used to... A larger percentage of my books were modern firsts up until about five, six years ago. And I suppose I just got to get bored. You, you know, we sell the same Ian Flemings over and over again, or Graham Greene. You know, how many times do you want to sell a copy of, you know... Well, as long as it makes American, money, though, right? Yeah, but, you know, you, hmm. <laughs> you might as well be selling potatoes, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> I mean, now I've got sort of 17th century books, 16th century books, as well as those, and also books in other areas. So every day I buy books that I've never seen before, whereas before I used to buy the same books over and over again. But that thing of the speciality, I mean, that's certainly used to be the thing to do. If you were going to be a success in old books, specialised, that, that was always the advice. In fact, that's the same advice that, uh, that I would give to any collecting, but in any kind of business, or if you're starting a career, yeah. specialised. Yeah, but I think that's, that's, the trouble is with books is, is the internet. Now, if you're a specialist and you put your books on the internet, anybody can just see your, your, your expertise is just there for anybody else to copy. So 
both. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's up to you to 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 put. Uh, I had this discussion with uh, one of my favorite booksellers in Canada, Stephen Temple, right. who I consider one of the best in the modern first edition field, and uh, he is so generous with his stuff. Uh, his site is just jam-packed with years and years of uh, what learning and uh, his his expertise that, that that's just not able you, you can't duplicate it but what he does which is so clever is he'll leave off a few things and uh, so sure people just kind of clip and, and paste uh, the, his descriptions yeah but also the prices whatever price he's asking for a book somebody else who will have that book you know ten years ago they might have guessed at a price and probably got it wrong now they look at his price and just price it 10% lower that's uh, that's how it's affecting the specialists now because everybody's a specialist now you can't you're losing that edge i think so where is the edge then how are you going to make uh, where's your new edge or uh, is there one i don't know there is one i think the book trade is dying personally i think we're the last generation what exactly does that mean then anybody who wants to sell books they'll just put them onto ebay they won't take them to a bookseller they won't be booksellers because your lifeblood is people coming in the door with the books to sell to you, correct? Yeah, and also people coming in to buy books. People have lost the habit of going to bookshops. Yeah, I think you're too pessimistic. I mean, well, I experience it. I'm in a bookshop every day. <laughs> it's true. It's true, I, I guess. In, in Britain, know. the number of bookshops has gone down by half in three years. Yeah, this was something else that Tony was saying, that uh, even four or five years ago, he couldn't have done what he's just done, which is close the shop. Now, so you're, you're talking pessimistically. However, he's there's, a, there's an upside. Basically, he's just said, I don't have to carry all this overhead, this rent, this tax, oh, yeah. all of this well, stuff, true. all the hassle yep. of dealing with people coming in mm -hmm. and ripping off my books and whatever it might happen to be. Mm -hmm. uh, he's able to make the same money by not, uh, and not going through all that hassle of being a retailer. Yeah, so there won't be any retailers. That's what I mean. Which is the tragedy well, for, I think for so. us collectors. That's the tragedy. Yeah. It's very difficult to browse on the internet. You, know, you go into a bookshop and you see books you've never, you know, you wouldn't have thought of looking at, and you sort of get that a bit on eBay. You know, just going through title after title after title. Well, you you can plug in a wish list and they'll they'll pop up. When That's what I mean. People have a wish list, but they never they don't get anything outside that. They never no, go beyond exactly. the boundaries of that. It's a bit like the newspaper. You rely upon the editor of the newspaper to yeah. come up with interesting stuff that you might yeah. not ever have read or even dreamt of reading. Which is why, at the top end of the market, you know, the sort of heritage, Harrington, the modern first in particular, everybody's chasing the same 40 or 50 books. Mm -hmm. And they're just going through the roof. Yeah, some examples? Well, all the Flemings, you know, the Harry Potter. It's just madness. <laughs> Faulkner, Fitzgerald, Hemingway, you know, yeah, you, you can sort of roll can. off the big names. Yeah. Okay. Which means that all the other things that, you, that used to be, everything else is sort of falling away. Well, you're talking about the, the kind of collectors that go for the high spots rather than completists, right? Yeah. But yeah. the dealers are also doing that. The, you know, the dealers are sort of not interested in the lower end stuff. Anymore, the middle range things. Yeah, you're sounding, you're getting me down here a little bit. Well, it's just the way things go. I mean, on, on the internet, the, the rarity of books now is transparent. You know, in, in the past, if we got a book in through the door and we thought, oh, that's, I haven't seen that for five years, that's a scarce book. Mm. You now look on the internet and there'll be 20 copies somewhere, you know, so it's no longer a scarce book. And the prices so, are, so going, the price down are going down accordingly. Whereas the genuinely scarce, are transparently genuinely scarce because there are no copies on the internet. So those prices are going up. So there's this sort of widening gulf 
between the lower end and the and the upper end. I think it's inevitable, I suppose. Yeah. There's Aaron. Okay, good. Okay, right, thanks, Aaron. And that was? That's Aaron from Red Snapper. Uh, and Red Snapper is a competitor? Yeah, to two doors along. Yeah. Uh, he was the one that was in Tindley when you were... That's yeah, right. yeah. Cecil Court. We're, all, we're in Cecil Court here. Mm-hmm. And he's he's what, uh, one of the owners of that store? Or yeah, what? he's the owner. He's yeah. the owner of yeah. Red Snapper. Yeah. Do you mind telling me what just happened there? Oh, uh, <laughs> slightly complicated. We were both in Tindley and Chapman. Another store. Which is another away. store at the yeah. other end of the court. James has an associate who goes around all the auctions. James? James uh, Tindley. Tindley, okay. Uh, James yeah. Tindley and um, Ron Chapman. Uh, they Tindley own and Chapman, they own that business. James tends to stay in the shop, and Ron goes off around the auctions. Doing what he loves to do. Um, bringing in piles of books and I was going through a pile pulled out a copy of the American edition of um, 1984 you know George Orwell is that with the red cover yeah I said well I'll have that Aaron happened to be in there he saw me do it after I'd gone he came in following me back to my shop and said I've got a customer for that book (laughs) so we agreed a price which means that I have to give Tindley Anyway, it's quite a complicated thing. No, but anyway, it ends up with Aaron no. having the book and okay. me paying James for it. And anyway, that's that's what happens. We all take in each other's washing. That's books go round and round the trade. It's simply because you, uh, one of you, does possibly have a, a client, so you could uh, you could get it from someone else and, and yeah. flip it for. Uh, you know. Well, we, we all have different attitudes. To t- I mean, James and Ron tend to want to get rid of things quick, so they price to sell to the trade immediately. This is the people up the, up the road yeah. uh, at, uh, what is it called? Uh, to Tindley and Chapman. Okay, so they like to, they get stuff in from auction, they don't really want to hold on to it too long, they just want to flip it for yeah. whatever they can mm-hmm. uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not too concerned about market value, so you know, if they buy their book for 10 quid, they're happy to sell it for 20, even though they might know that somebody else might ask 50 for it, you know, because they just want to... The they turnover. Made, they just made, want the turnover. They made 100%. Yeah. 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 Right. And speak of the devil. Yeah. yeah. The devil is right. Yeah. Shall I give you a check now or tomorrow? Or Very good idea. How much is it? Uh, it was 498, then minus 60 for the... Okay. Right. So, 438. 438. This is the uh, Orwell, 1984. Yes. Yeah. Um, eight. No, the £400 isn't for that, because there were other books as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much are you selling the Orwell for? Well, I just sold it to Aaron for 60 quid. 60 quid? Yeah. And uh, he's going to sell it for... For 100, 100 he says. He says. <laughs> How much does the, uh, the British version of that go for? Well, one in that sort of condition would probably be about £1,000. Isn't that Because it was you know, quite a nice one. Sixty for the American and a thousand for the British, yeah. because obviously there were more American versions. Print like the printing was much larger, was well, it? it was late. Well, it was late. Yeah, it came uh, out uh, afterwards. So the true first. One was in '49. That's the British. Yeah. And when's this one? Then? It's probably the same year, but later in the same year. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Such a huge difference just for a few months, and and also it's not following the flag, right? Well, that's so. Uh, yeah. 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 There is that. Yeah. Right. Thanks, James. Thanks, Peter. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it works the other way around as well. You know, yeah, of course. If, yeah. Um, I've got some Faulkners up there, which are sort of 100, 200 pounds, and the equivalent American edition is going to be sort of 2,000, you know. It's, yeah, so. yeah. So we were talking about um, 
specializing in. Uh, but your area then, is, it's still, I mean, it's right on your sign, it's modern first edition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We were talking about Tony. Uh, he, he says there's a good uh, a good living to be made in in the fact that he, he specialises and goes quite deeply into one area. Well, art is quite quite interesting because you, you tend to sell art, the more expensive art books, to people who collect art. Exactly. Yeah. And you compare the price of a painting to the price of a book. Yeah. And the book you know, just seems like a little add-on, you Pins, know. Yeah. yeah. But so it's, it's also a really nice yeah. add-on, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Sort of with architecture books, the same. You know, you sell them to architects, not or, to people who collect buildings. Well, all that. Yeah. 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 So that's why it can be quite a good thing to deal in books that are associated with money. Uh, yeah. So you know, books on racing cars. You know, it's a good, good, good thing to get into. Let's explore that a little bit then. Books on racing cars, because. Well, there's not that many people that collect racing cars, but there are a lot of people that what are interested in Formula One, or where were you going with that? Well, there are lots of people who collect old cars, vintage cars. You know, and they vintage. have huge amounts of money, obviously. Well, yeah, because, yeah. Huge yeah, amounts of yeah, money to yeah. Do and they would all want the books about their car, and then they but get interested in... not a very big market, though. Come on. Well, it's big enough. There aren't that many books. There aren't that many... You know, hundred-year-old books on on a particular on, model, on, or eighty-year-old books on cars. Isn't so not interesting, though. I mean, they do tend to be expensive. The, the books themselves, yeah, because of the connection with collectors in another area. Because it they, they sell to people who've got money. So books in a field of other collectors. What would books on stamps be valuable? Because collectors collect lots of collectors collect. You know, well, books on stamps just tend to be catalogues. Of, yeah. You know, I suppose yeah. maybe history, post postal histories, and that sort of thing. And people, they do buy them. Yeah. I don't know anything about those. I, I just sort of fills me with, <laughs> with boredom yeah. just thinking about. Yeah. But you know, I suppose yeah. I mean, I do get asked for books on stamps. Stamps can be very cheap. So I suppose most stamp collectors, you don't need money to be a stamp collector. So the the, the ticket then is to to find. Find an area where you need a lot of money to collect things like cars and art, and then you know the books on those topics would get free ride. Yeah, and I mean, this has only just occurred to me actually. This whole concept, I must think of it. <laughs> travel books. I mean, they they sell to people who travel. You know, you have to have a fair amount of money to travel around, and p- people always want books about areas they've been to. And uh, I guess that would be why the whole. Uh, ephemera around ships, you know, these lovely old yeah, yeah. cruise liners, luxury the, cruise liners. Yeah, the uh, books on sailing, you know. I mean, there was one bookseller up in Bloomsbury who decided to collect books on skiing, because it wasn't being done at the time. They were fairly cheap. Not exactly for plentiful, but, you know, when you saw them, they tended to be quite cheap. These would be books 100 years old. Like, there's lots of books on, on how, to, how to ski. Not instructional books. No, but these would be sort of, the history of skiing. Yeah, that sort of thing, and, you know, adventure, memoirs of skiers, and, you know, when I was up in Zermatt in 22, you know, the, the adventure I had, and that sort of thing. That sounds like a James so, Bond. <laughs> yeah. So, he has what he did. The last time I saw him, he's still he's still but buying them, so he must have hit some sort of vein, you know. He must have. I can't help mention this. I'm looking at your shelves, uh, modern firsts M to T, and there's Ellis Peters, and you're Peter Ellis. Yeah, sometimes people do think you know, you're the author. I have been accused of being <laughs> Ellis Peters. <laughs> Edith Pargeter is, yeah, is her real name, and there were lots of books name. that she wrote under that name before yeah. she wrote the, the crime, crime novels. In fact, she was running the twenties. A hell of a career. Are you going to go out of business or what? Um, 
Well, it's probably not. I mean, I keep saying to my staff, you know, I've got two part-timers working here, that it's not worth having a shop. It's, in fact, I stopped having it. I, I got out of shops for th- three years, three and a half years. When I got out of the shop in, in Bloomsbury, I thought, well, I'll just, you know, issue catalogues and do the internet. And that was all right. Do you, you do sort of feel out of the loop. I mean, Tony Rowe does get out there every day, and I found that I, I wasn't that m- motivated. And then I got wind of this collection of books, a house full of books, which was literally a house full. It wasn't just a room full, it was a house full. Every room wow. piled high to the ceiling. And it was either buy the books and put them somewhere. I couldn't put them at home. My, my wife would have... Um, don't imagine there's much room there anyway. But no, no. And um, I mean, there are enough books already. And then this shop came on the market simultaneously. This has got to be the little book alley in London. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, this is yeah. where people would... Yeah, well, the Charing, Cross, the Charing Cross Road area yeah. has always been... The destination for book, uh, yeah. book lovers. I mean, I've heard some outlandish things. Like, there used to be 300 bookshops within the mile of Leicester Square Underground Station. It's slightly hard to believe. There are probably 100 that's not the case anymore. Do you have any sport at all? What sort? Boxing specifically. Um, I've got a book by a boxing re- referee. Hang on. Which one? You're uh, you're going to be on the radio. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Joe Palmer. We've got the remembrances. Re- recollections of a boxing referee. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. Yes. That's the yes. only one that I have a book. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Your name is John Walker. John Walker. <laughs> John Walker. Yes. Great. Come from Yorkshire. Visit our site, nigelbeal.com. Yeah. At some point, we'll be posting this up there. Okay. Did you come in from Yorkshire just for this? Or? No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm down in London for a couple of days work-wise. Okay. And uh, uh, I thought I'll go to, go to the theatre, but uh, I have quite a collection of boxing books, about do, 500 books. So, do you? Uh, wow. Yeah. What, the, sort of history of boxing? Or? Biographies, autobiographies, but but I've got some books which go back as far to, to the 19th century, so it's it's quite reasonably comprehensive. I tend not to buy up-to-date books, because you can normally buy them a little bit cheaper if you, if you, if you, if you sort of look around. Yeah. Actually, this is just coming. Can I just, can I just move the, the yeah, mic? Yeah, please do, yeah, yeah. This is a boxing book? book. Is it? No. <laughs> you know, Castle Byron's for profession, sure. Oh, yeah, it's, the, well, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, stu- I've got, I've got the It's book, a novel, yes. yeah. Yes, but it's, it's boxing, it's, it's yeah. George Bernard Shaw. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. 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 He, was very, he was very into boxing, actually. Well, he was a boxer himself, yeah. Well, Bare knuckle. I think, I think, I'm not too sure where he... Where he, he there, was a, there was a place where he went, where he, where he went to, um, to, to sort of spar. Um... I can't remember. It was somewhere in London, as far as I'm aware. Right. But anyway, uh, sorry, Nigel. Dot. Did you uh, say Beal? B e a l e. Yeah. Nigel Beal. One word. Dot yeah. com. Yeah. And uh, let me get a picture of you here. Just <laughs> <laughs> start him. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I, can you uh, you want to have a look at me or no? <laughs> there you go. Pen in hand. There you are. Look at that. Well, I don't want to damage the camera. Yes, I think I'll take a, take a show in tonight. What? Um, uh, what are you going to see? I'm not sure. I was think I was thinking initially of, yeah. of, of going to see the Lion King, but I'm, I'm thinking I might pop down to the Garrick and see. Um, I'll burn the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's supposed to be good, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's a good play. So. Uh, and a good cast, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah. so. the, uh, we're going to go see uh, Measure for Measure tonight. Oh, that's oh, great! Yeah. I saw that last week. It it's really some good. Great reviews. It's brilliant. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really a play I don't particularly know. Yeah. I've known quite a few Shakespeare ones. It's about hypocrisy. Is what it's about. It's very dark. Yeah. 
Whereabouts is that? Uh, uh, the National. But I think it's I think it's fully booked. Right. I think it's. Ah, yeah, you don't know. You don't, you don't yeah. know. Well, I would say go to the Leicester Square and get check into the half price place. Well, there. I was just going to pop in, pop in there. Anyway, so. Cheers, anyway. Yes, and yourself. Yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's magic what we got here. Is capturing this. Oh yes, as it's, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? I can't remember. That. Um, it was probably something morose. No, because <laughs> I'm morose. Cause yeah, I'm you're miserable morose. And and, are you really? morose or like about the you, you, about the business? I mean, you must be making a fairly. It's not. Good as, it's not as, I mean, I've been a bookseller for twenty-five years, and it's not the fun it was. Is that just because you've been in it that long, or no, is it it's because the internet. it's the internet? It's made everything. We all have to paddle harder to stay in the same place. Right. Well, you know, I, I read an article several years ago by Ken Lopez, the, the yeah. bookseller out in yeah. LA, and he basically said that this is the golden age for collectors. Yeah. And I think what what he meant was that a lot of the stuff that that previously was sort of hiding in yeah, people's yeah. Uh, libraries. Just, yeah. It's now it's coming out. Yeah. It's coming yeah. out. Yeah. But if you know what you're doing, yeah. you can you can take advantage of the fact that there are a lot of great books that are out there at yeah. reasonable prices. But yeah. this too will pass. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's like a tsunami, isn't it? Because there's the original, there's the initial surge yeah. from when the internet is set up for for you know ABE and all that. Canadian and company. It, well, yeah, that's right. And everybody puts their books on the on the web within a quite short space of time, a few years. Yep. So suddenly there's this huge tidal wave of books. And supply, and like that, huge supply. supply yeah. that's, that but after that, it settles down to the usual number of books coming onto the market. Yeah. So in, maybe in 10 years' time it'll all be as it was. <laughs> but, Are you going to hold out that long? Well, yeah, I can't think of anything else to do. What am I going to do? I don't know if you got a postman or something. I don't know. Yeah, you can become an author. You're probably a, you're probably a frustrated author, right? Have you written a book? No. Um, 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 Marius, who works for me, has written several books, but um, that's why he, that's why he only works part time now because he, he writes. And he's becoming well known as a writer. Well, he was fairly well known as a poet. Who, what's his name? Um, uh, well, I'll show you his book. Okay. His latest book. And he's got a good reputation, has he? Or? Well, this was reviewed in the Times Literary Supplement. Ooh, well, Adam Thorpe said it was a classic of travel writing. My goodness. So that's, uh, My goodness. Mar- can you pronounce that last name for him? Marius Kochowski. Kochowski from Poland? From Canada. No. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, he lives in Canada. No, he lives here. His right. father's his father's Polish, emigrated with his English mother to Canada, where Marius was... You know, born and raised, right. and then he came over here thirty, God, probably thirty-five years ago. Who, Marius? Marius, yeah. Oh, so he's not yeah. a young man. Then. Well, there's his picture in the back, you know, on the back flap. There he is. Man, he's bad. Art. He's older than me. <laughs> so he's what, forty-one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. The Cheltenham Prize. That's know. right. He did win the Cheltenham Prize for one of his collections of poems. You know, his quote it was prestigious. And he works for you here, or do you have another? No, here, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, so he basically yeah. mans the shop. Yeah, yeah. For um, for when you're not here. But he's also he's also a very good bookseller. His his knowledge is very deep and wide. And you know he's 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 worked in various for various book firms in London mm. since since he's been in this country. So you know he's uh, he knows the ropes. Hmm. 
Australia might be an interesting interview. Eh? Yeah. I love the cover. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's a good photo. Isn't what, it? what is that? Anyway, that's the inside of a, a monastery. Or I don't know. It's, it does say somewhere. What? Um, oh, it's not a photo that he took. I think he found it somewhere. No. Sutton Publishing. Yeah, uh, it's not a big name either. No, I mean they do publish a lot of stuff, but they're not they're not in the random house league. No, no, they <laughs> they do quite a lot of history and you know that sort of thing, not non-fiction. Okay, so um, you're a bookseller and you uh, you're a bit bored uh, and you're not having as much fun as you used to have. Yeah, what well, it isn't what, as much what can fun. We do to, what can so, we do to, to, make, to make your life? I was talking fun. to a bookseller in earlier this morning, saying you know because about the book fairs, the book. I, I remember the days, you know. This when, is the London Book Fair coming up, or no, no, just book fairs in general. Oh, the, you okay. know, tw uh, tw twenty years ago. If you for, for the publishers or for the public, which, which ones you saw? Secondhand antiquarian. Antiquarian book yeah, fairs, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, not the uh, not the. Uh, well, they had the big London the Excel book fair. One, yeah. Excel, yeah, it's just at that. Yeah, but right. it's just completely different. You're talking yeah. about the antiquarian book yeah. fairs. Okay. Yeah, and they used to be quite few and far between. In fact, there was a there was um, an organisation set up called the Provincial Booksellers Fairs Association, which, and the idea behind that was to get, well, as it said, you've got provincial booksellers into London, so they would they would hire a space in London, and anybody who was a member of the association could turn up and display their books. And this was a big thing, you know, you, you would just put up a little sign on a tree somewhere. And there'd be people queuing around the block for hours in advance to get in. And they were, you know, hugely successful ways of selling books. They're not anymore. And there were just there were too many book fairs. And um, it's the same books going round and round. Yeah, people do get bored with them. So. Yeah, but again, this is, uh, this is a good time for us collectors. It may not be a good time for the book, the antiquarian bookseller who, who is knowledgeable and respected and again it, it must be very difficult to have put in your time like this and then have Joe Blow go out and stick up a sign and put up the same kind of books you've got you know, yeah. and, and undercut your prices it's called galling. galling yeah. the most galling thing for me is that the landlords just put the rents up all the time even though you know way ahead of inflation when retail, not not just in the book trade, but you know, sort of generally retail is uh, is hitting a bit of a bad patch. Uh, so they must be doing it because they, they'll get the rents from someone. Yeah. Yeah. The coffee the coffee shops, <laughs> chains. Yeah. All the people. Yeah. Well, I guess the places where people go to read books. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, there's a place around the corner which was called Droopy and Browns, which was a, a wedding dress shop. You know, a lovely shop, and you know, been there a long time. Everybody knew it, and that's closed, and that's going to be a Starbucks. Starbucks are paying the new rent. They, the, the existing shop just couldn't afford to carry on paying the new rent. What are you going to do then to put a little fire in your body? <laughs> I assume you you still have a, a love of the, the business. Well, the books I like. I mean, the business I've never particularly liked, but the books I like. In fact, there was, when I first started, I first set up a shop, it was in Birmingham, which is a, a wasteland for books. Isn't that where uh, David Lodge comes from? He teaches in Birmingham. I'm not sure whether he comes from that. Well, that's where he's based, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a professor, yeah. But that's about it, then, is it? Well, the university and the area around the university is sort of an oasis. Yeah. Because Birmingham went from being a tiny hamlet 
to being a major industrial city within one generation. And so I mean, there's so, a big working class there. So there was never right? a middle class. Yeah. It never existed. Yeah. So there was never a tradition of buying books. And, you know. So now, it's a city of th- three million people. You know, this is the second city after London. And there's one second-hand bookshop. Oh, my God. And that's not even open five days a week. One. You know. That's staggering. Yeah, but that's because the book. So when I, I, I mean, I, 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 I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I first opened the shop there, and you know, I sort of jumped in at the deep end. And this chap who now still has the bookshop there because he, you know, he knows what he's doing, said, you know, quite serious, don't do it, don't do it. You're making a big mistake. To and you when you set up, a, yeah, yeah, as yeah. A young man. And I just thought, oh well, he's just trying to get me off his path. He's afraid you know? of the competition. But he was. <laughs> it was so you, you was quickly moved to London, then, did you? Well, it wasn't that quick. I spent, I struggled for five or six years, mm-hmm. but it's pretty hand to mouth. Yeah. And uh, yeah, finally came to London. Yeah, yeah. So you really haven't answered the question yet, though. Like, what are you going to do then? You, if you you have an interest in love in in the. Uh, well, I just carry on what I'm doing. Yeah, and, 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 and try and tough it out, and, and hope that the, the. Well, it's not. You know, it's not disaster time at the moment. I'm sort of making a living, but as I say, you just have to work harder to stay in the same place. And, and what does that entail? Working harder? What is it? More catalogues. Putting out more catalogues. Yeah. Yeah. What just else? Fewer days off. <laughs> You know. I used to sit around the shop reading. Well, can't you do I, that I haven't now? read a book in the shop for... No. Too because much to do. Too much to do. Too many books to catalogue. Well, hopefully yeah. too many customers coming in and interfering with your reading. Well, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. What percentage of the business comes off the web now versus uh, what it used to, say, five years ago? Well, probably in five years it hasn't changed that much. It's probably... So in fact, as the internet sales have gone up, I suppose the uh, shop sales have gone down, so they balance each other out. I don't know, it must be probably 30% on the web now. And it's been that way for the last five years, so you haven't, yeah. seen, it, you haven't seen an increase then? No, there was an initial surge, and it's probably come down a bit. What I've found is that I uh, had quite a few books that I'd bought over the years, and I, there was an opportunity to purchase some two or three hundred uh, new books uh, from from a shop that was uh, moving out of that field. And so I did that, paid not a whole hell of a lot. And uh, I put about a thousand books up. Uh, I guess for about a year I was making two or three hundred bucks a week. Yeah. And then taking that money and buying what I, what I really wanted. But yeah. uh, And I haven't really been, do, you know, I haven't been paying attention to it much over the last two or three years. But yeah. I'm finding, now that I am revisiting it, that uh, whereas before my prices were very competitive, it seems like every book that's up there now you can get hundreds of them for two or three bucks. That seems to be what's happening. Is that now yeah. lots and lots more people are, are are now putting their stuff up there? And it's well, if you look on ABE and say you, you know, author titled on the search and it comes up and it, it tells you how many books are listed, mm-hmm. yeah. so you say so you get thirty books, yeah. fifteen of those are going to be print again companies mm-hmm. who haven't even got the book. But they've got they've got a copy of the book, and if you order it, they will scan it and send you a printed version that they've had printed. Come again? I'll show you. <laughs> Shall I show you? Oh, but wait a minute. What are you t- what are you talking about? You're talking about uh, like acknowledged uh, published book. They can't do that. There's copyright. Well, books that are out of copyright, they have to be books that are out of copyright. So the author's been dead for seventy 50 years or whatever, whatever it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on the jurisdiction. Um, I don't know. I think it's one. I don't know. A famous book. Uh, so, 75 years? Let's look at a, a Shaw, maybe. All right. Um, that's a bad example, because they're, they're cheap, anyway. Oh, that's true, actually. You want, you want something slightly... Anyway, you know, you know the sort of thing. So you get... Um, there are lots of companies now that advertise on ABE 
and they will they, they charge sort of 80 quid for one of these things but if you order it they say you have to wait two or three weeks because they have to print it so they scan it and get some printer to how can they get off charging so much when you can get a copy for for, for nothing uh, you know like well no it has back. to be fairly it has to be a book that's sort of 80 worth 80 quid anyway Smollett travel let's do that one no I can't do that one okay Smollett Travels. Travels through France and, and Italy. Tobias. That's and it's so by Felstenstein. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's no good. <laughs> what about uh, Sir Thomas More's Utopia? Okay, let's do that one. Boston, 1878. Well, just. So you're leafing. You're I'm going through all the various editions. And eventually you should get to a company that hasn't got the book but will reprint it if you order it. And so typically, so these are going from anywhere from what, you know, a thousand pounds and coming down to, to yeah. about 250 pounds? Yeah, well, you probably come down to about two pounds because they were very cheap. At, you know, yeah, exactly. You know. That's what I'm so, saying. So maybe, it's, someone, not a, maybe well, it's not a good... Um, why would someone pay this company eighty pounds right, when they can get it has for to two? Be, yeah, it has to be something that is more. So it's sort of what out of print and very very difficult to get off. Out of print and no one else is printing it. Yeah. And so basically they they would. Uh, yeah. You would find the original on Abe for several thousands of pounds. Or maybe only a hundred pounds. Or but they will undercut it by twenty pounds and. By simply just. Here we are. Here's one. Here okay. We are. Oh. oh, this is actually Cambridge doing it. So Cambridge University is now. So it's, it's legitimate thing. then. <laughs> yeah, but this book is printed on demand. Please allow up to ten days extra for delivery. So it's eighty-seven pounds. Correct. They haven't got that book. That book doesn't exist in physical form. Okay, what is that book? That's what is that? That's well, that's a picture of what it would look like. They're saying it's a brand new hardback. Yeah, yeah there it is. When was this published then? Um, Originally, yeah. doesn't even say. It's yeah. crazy. It should say the yeah. new edition of Moore's Utopia with Latin text and English translation. So, so that is actually a new edition. That's a new edition. But yeah. what? Do but there are other companies that take old editions and, and scan them, scan them, and do the same thing, and uh, charge you eighty quid for that. Okay. Well, See, there's what have they done here? They say it's a, it, basically they own the copyright. Then I would think. And then they're just yeah. saying, okay. I mean, that is, that's Cambridge University doing it. So but they've just jumped on that. Yeah, but what what have they done here? Instead of, they've got, it's their book. Yeah. They may have run out of copies that they actually printed. Yeah. And they're putting it up here and saying, okay, if you want a copy of this, we the, way it, it up for the you. way it looked, yeah. right? The way it looked when it originally came out. Yeah then we will just print it on demand and send it off to you. Yeah. And, but there's nothing stopping another company that isn't Cambridge University Press from getting, a, if they did happen to have the original, from scanning it and selling it. And they could sell it or would they get sued? Well, no, they would get sued by Cambridge University Press because right. it would be their copyright. Okay, so what's the difference then between... You're, you're basically talking about books that are out, out of, copyright. of copyright. Yeah, yeah. And so these are basically like just scanning companies. Because that's not actually Moore's Utopia. That's that's a new translation. Yeah. So the, the, tran the new translation would be still in copyright. Yes. But they must... The older translations that are out of copyright, you could do that just by scanning the old book. And so you would give, you would have this exactly the same appearance of it. It would have the same appearance because it's scanned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that I'm just trying to figure out why someone would want to spend that amount of money on a because it's it's out of print, I suppose. 
Yeah. Right? That's the only way you can get it. That's the only way you can yeah. get it, is yeah. without spending thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah. Oh, here we are. Here's another one. Okay. Oh, here we are. This is more like it. Okay. Book on demand reprint from edition originally published 1743. That's what I'm talking about. Astrologos Books, they do lots of this. Right. They do scanning. So, so they have a copy of the book, the 1743 edition. Right. They have that copy. Right. They bought it at a, off the net yeah, or whatever, at a yeah. bookseller. Yeah, or well maybe they're good to scan in the library with <laughs> the scanner. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, and then they advertise this book on demand. And it says here, what does it say? Reprinted from microfilm of original ah, there you text. Go. That's how they get it. That's how they get it. Reprinted from microfilm of original text on acid-free archival quality paper. So, what have they done? They've done a microfilm of the original text? Well, they, they've, they've got mean? hold of a microfilm, yeah. So where might they have gotten a hold of that? I don't know. Not in the Night of the Living Dead, are you, George A. Romero? No, thank no. you. One of the extras. I wish I'd have gotten a photograph. <laughs> God, he's a regular, isn't he? Oh, is he? Uh, anyway. Yeah, so you see what I mean? And just, again, they've got a microfilm of the original. How, how would they get that? I don't know. Libraries used to do that a bit, didn't they? But um, so, in other words, that's the technology that was used prior to scanning. Yeah, yeah. is uh, yeah. is micro. But they don't have to do it from microfilm. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I I was in Florida about a month ago and I interviewed the owner of the largest new and used bookstore in Florida, Haslam's in St. Pete's, and I was chatting with um, Ray Hints, who's the owner, and that's been generation. They've been yeah. that bookseller has been in business for 70 years this yep. second, third generation and he said there are uh, people that come by regularly scoping out his collection of books to find um, editions that they purchase that uh, I guess are out of print for uh, for this for this reason yeah that's it yeah and this is on the ABA stand Antiquarian Book Exchange. I mean, these aren't antiquarian. They're not even. They're no, not even no, books. No. <laughs> they don't exist until yeah, they're old. Wait a minute. It's not Antiquarian Book Exchange. It's advanced book. Oh, advanced. Oh, that's right. But yes, I'm not sure true. why advanced. Yeah. advanced. Sorry, it isn't antiquarian, is it? No, no, no that's no, right. It's not slag. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> that's right. But they're not even books, are they? They, they haven't got that book to. No, they're not. They're, yeah. they're it, well. It's what it is. It's information. Is yeah. what they're selling. They're selling yeah. access to information. Is yeah. what they're doing. Well, they're selling a potential book, yeah. Yeah, potential book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, well, yeah. uh, it's not a problem. I mean, it saves warehouse space oh, yeah. and trees, I guess. Oh. And it makes them money, right? It makes them money, whereas they're not taking the risk that no. they would have before. No. That's fascinating. But you, you say it in such a way that... Uh, it's just a little bit sad, or uh, you're a bit ticked off at this. I oh, yeah. That's where you're saying it. Yeah. Why are you ticked off at this? <sighs> to access, it's giving it's giving more people access to interesting information. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. So right now, you're going to just keep on doing doing this, being around books. Mm-hmm selling books and perhaps branching into different areas uh, because it, it provides you with a bit more of an interesting yep. pursuit yep. Uh, sort of looking into new areas where you might mine as we talked about before, new veins that you might find 
to, to, to keep it interesting for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people bring books in through the door, so you know, I look at everything there. Rather yeah. than you know, I just use you know, if it's not if it wasn't a modern first, then I wouldn't really be that interested. Yeah. But now I look at anything that people would bring in. So. Yeah. You know. so your prognostication for the for the business, uh, just in closing, you used antiquarian book business. Yeah. You've you've been a bit gloomy about it. Uh, well, if things carry on the way they are, have been going over the last few years, then there will be fewer and fewer bookshops. Which is the tragedy for for us. Well, maybe not. Lovers. Maybe not. Well, I mean, people, in the sense that, okay, booksellers are still going to be making. They'll be making the same money, maybe even more. But for the book lover the collector it's a tragedy because there are fewer and fewer wonderful little oases that we can pop into and 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 search and find treasures in yeah i think that will be the case yeah but whether it's a tragedy or not i don't know know. for 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 us collectors i think it is Mm. but then again we're still able to get these books into our hands it's just the actual going into the bookstore and, and looking around and touching and smelling and being in bookstores is, I suppose, is the loss. Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, most booksellers are cynical, right, oh, in yeah. my experience. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, so somebody came in yesterday saying, you know, oh, I, I wish I could buy every book in this shop, and then asked for a particular book, which I had, put into his hands. So not only did he buy that, but he didn't buy any of the other books that he said he wanted to buy all of, you know, so... You know. What's the point? <laughs> it's a, car, a tire kicker. Yeah. Wasted. But also, you could see, you know, you know, he's just going to go onto ABE and try and find a cheaper one. So. Anything upbeat you want to end this on? <laughs> <laughs> well, books themselves. I mean, people are carrying on buying books. I mean, there was a time when I thought that books themselves, you know, with the books with purely information, purely reference books. I think probably, probably their days are numbered. I mean, even academic books now don't put notes and footnotes and so on into the text of the book. They, they, um, they point you towards a website where you can look up the notes. So in the end, the entire book surely will just be on a website rather than, you know. But the book as the object, as sort of an art object, I think that will continue. Yeah. Well, I think that sort of thing, the book art, the book as you know, beautiful object, is undervalued. Yeah. I mean, a leather binding, a really finely tooled leather binding, you can pick up for sometimes under £100. And if you tried to have that binding reproduced now by a current bookbinder, for a start, you couldn't do it because most of them can't get the, the finishing right. You know, the lettering yeah. is the hardest thing of all. And very few bookbinders around now can have that sort of... That that um, degree of the degree of skill yeah. to get the, li- the, le- the letters perfectly lined up. Can you uh, give our uh, listeners, the collectors, uh, a few a bit of advice on uh, what should we go for? Well, I suppose the contents have to be. <laughs> you know, it has to be a book you, you want, I suppose. Uh, yes, but, but, but there mean, are binders. There, there, there are sort of nice binders like Sangorski and Sutcliffe and Zarnsdorf. I mean, Zarnsdorf is the great sort of 19th century, early 20th century London bookbinder. 
and all their books were you know, just beautiful objects. And so, and you're saying that uh, that you can you can find these at a fairly reasonable. Well, prices. those probably not Zarnsov so much because that's such a well-known name. But there were others binding binders around at the same time who were almost as good. Like you know. and, and you can because they're not the name isn't known. You, you yeah. can pick them up at a really yeah. good price. Who, yeah. who would they be? Um, well. Uh, but Bumpus, I mean, Hatchards had a really good binder. I, mean, I don't know if they still do, but they certainly did at one point. That was the, that would be the name that you would look for. But they, they yeah, the bindings are often signed inside the. Um, I don't know if this one is. Often, if I mean, this is quite a nice binding. Quite often, the binder's name is inside there. So you might see I mean, in, that, that in one. Where? Where? Just, just. Well, it, this one hasn't got it. In this case, okay. the binder's name is actually in gilt on the end paper, bound by Sutherland's. That's another good one. Well, Sutherland still exists as a bookshop. Suther. Sutherland's. S o t h e r a n. Uh, Henry Sutherland. They're, they're one of the old established antiquarian bookshops in London. They're, they're off Piccadilly. So they had a binder that was capable of doing that. Which is nice red Morocco decorated gilt. Beautiful. The gilt is just yeah. thick, isn't it? Yeah. But the other thing is, look at the lettering on the on the spine. On the spine. I mean, it's it should be. How much? How much is this one going for? How much have I got on that? Uh, Forty-five pounds. Hang on, you Now, if you tried to get that binding made for you today, for a start, you would not be able to find a binder capable of doing it. And if you could, they would be charging £300, at least. So you would show up with the, the actual... I mean, in France, that's why so many of these books are... Uh, they're sold just the leaves, and then you then you would go to the, to the, to the, uh, the binder yourself. Yeah. So you, you're saying, then, if you've got a, a, book, a copy of a book, uh, with that, if, the, if, the, if the binding is in tatters, you would go to the binder currently, and they would charge you... Three hundred pounds. Yeah, for to, a binding to, like that. To do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just for a sort of standard, you know, half leather binding, you're talking about eighty pounds to a hundred pounds, mm. with no, you know, with with no great decoration on it or anything like that. But this is, um, and also the lettering. If you see the. Actually, that's not perfect. <laughs> Why isn't it perfect? Well, if you see it, it doesn't quite. It runs down slightly. Okay, so in other words, the, the fact that it's not completely square is is problematic. Well, it's just that it's a very that is the hardest thing to do because all the decoration you can you can get it slightly off and it won't matter so much because it's harder to tell. But with lettering, each one has to be exactly in the right place with all the others, so it's easy to tell when something's not quite. I mean, that's pretty good. It's pretty. I was going to say it seems to be in a, a straight line. You're yeah. just saying it's not. I, th I think it goes down slightly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to the line at the top yeah, of that little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But there are very few binds around now that can even approach that sort of degree of accuracy. Mm. So I think things like that are, you know, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think eventually they're going to have to be. You know, they will be more valued. And there's another one. What's this one? Well, there's no binder's name on that one. Well, that's £85. Isn't that cool? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right, though. I mean, again, you want... Uh, Spencer's very clean. Yeah. But that's yeah, not the whole thing, I mean... I think so. I think it's probably because it's in dollar double. Oh, yeah. Okay. That often counts against... People don't like don't buying like the don't. double column pages. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Them on that. Oh, that's a bumpus binder, because that's, that's got the binder's name there. Oh, and that's, uh, that's a good one, right? Well, but Mumpers used to have a big shop in Oxford Street, new and old books, and they had a bindery. It's gorgeous, isn't it? It's, it's the cloth and the... Yeah. What do we call that? Half... Well, that's half leather, half yeah, m- half leather. Morocco, yeah. 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 It's gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. In fact, it might even be three quarters. The way you do it is you fold it out, and however much of the top is leather, if it's half, then it's half leather. If it's... Quarter, it's quarter level, you know, three quarter. That's probably quith- that, I think that's three, three, three quarter. That, that one, yeah. That's great. So again, the advice to the collector would be uh, books are, that are that are bound by uh, sort of uh, not the best known, but but um, say slightly less well known binders are uh, very very good uh, items to purchase for their artistic. Well, they're beautiful uh, objects, yeah. and they're cheap yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah, and that probably won't always be the case. Right, you know. That's that's great. That's exactly what. But I'm sort of advice for collectors, I would just say, buy what you like. Oh, of course, because you know, if because then even if the price goes down, at least you've got something that you're happy to live with. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But there are people who buy books for investments, and I think, God, that's uh, that's pretty, silly. That's so soulless. Well, it's yeah. it's soulless and silly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I suppose if you're, you know, if you're looking, for, if you've got money to invest, why not invest it in books? Well, well that's in fact that's the thinking that I went through about uh, to five, ten years yeah. ago. I just yeah. wish, at that point, instead of losing a whack of money in the high tech bubble oh, right. burst, yeah. I just wish I'd spent that money in books, yeah, but I didn't yeah. at the time. So, yeah. anyway, um, this has been delightful. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thanks for coming. For your comments <laughs> and. Uh, Peter uh, Ellis is a well-known bookseller based in London. Uh, you can get him on the web directly and yeah. through Abe. Well, directly it would be peter-ellis.co.uk. It's the website. Terrific. Thanks again for uh, your insight and uh, morose take. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>